This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 554 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It's Friday, May 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's up, Doug? Just recovering from foot surgery. There is no DL at Fangraph, so I'm, I'm back on the, the horse. I don't know, man. I think you're a cut. I can't, I can't keep an injured guy on my on my team right but now. I, I'm playing through it. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the old Dustin Pedroia. I'm going to play hurt. Thank you. I think you should be like Miggy and stop playing through it because mm-hmm. the fans are restless. You uh, you did a three hundred word roto write up. Come on, man. Yeah, Come I'm on, sorry. man. I can't can't have that. Can't <laughs> have that. You're basically writing headlines out there. <laughs> no. Oh uh, yeah. So you had a, a situation uh, not good, man. Had to get toenails removed because they're just causing too many problems. But uh, but you're on the mend. And you're ready to go and. It's time to talk some baseball, so here we are, and we got lots of news to cover, lots of things happen. Then we're going to talk about some guys that are uh, performing really well right now, kind of a are-they-studs sort of deal, and get your outlook on where these uh, these early early risers are rest of season, including your favorite player. But first, the news, and Boston's active. We got Dustin Pedroia getting activated, sending kind of ripples throughout. And the biggest one there, probably even more so than than Pedroia getting activated, is Hanley Ramirez is DFA'd, which then, another chain reaction, Mitch Moreland is the primary first baseman. So we got moves out in Boston. Uh, Let me start with Pedroia. Old guy, old crusty fantasy player. People, you know, always underrate those. Are you on the Pedroia train as somebody who can be useful? Not really. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's no longer a sexy profile. There's just no power. There's no power. There's not much speed. Um, I would be surprised. I, I know Steamer's projections and Depth Charge projections have him, you know, kind of equaling what he did last year with a little bit uh, less average. I don't really even know if I buy that he can do that. So. Well, he keeps. He still has good plate skills. Pedroia does. He had one more walk than strikeout last year. You know, he doesn't strike out. He makes a lot of contact. Um, I could see batting average being there and 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 being solid for Dustin Pedroia. But I don't know, man. It, it's it's really hard to put him in there. I guess if you are are really power heavy and you really are just trying to look for some batting average, I can see a scenario where he's hitting two eighty plus for you and. If that's okay, I guess. But it's empty batting average right now uh, for Pedroia 
if he does that. Uh, but he is finally healthy and about to go. Hopefully he can stay healthy for a while. I do think the more important aspect here, the more interesting aspect, is Hanley Ramirez getting DFA'd. And, you know, the old life com- comes at you fast thing. Remember when he had like three homers and three stolen bases and he was a top five guy and people were like yeah i'm glad i took my flyer on him and you know i i think i was lamenting not taking any flyers on hanley and uh wow the the may situation for him he has a 500 ops uh still with three homers and a stolen base but that's literally all he's done 163 200 300 is the triple slash where do you think hanley could pick up well i it's always hard to kind of come up with a, a really good landing spot for a guy who defensively can't really play anywhere. Can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Seattle has lost a lot of bodies, and I was they like literally really that. unathletic first baseman types. <laughs> but Healy's been awesome. Yeah, but I mean, you you know, I guess you're not going to put him at DH with Cruz. With Cruz, I mean, it's tough. It is tough to find a spot right now. The Mets, uh, maybe. The like, Met, they, they need they a first baseman. They just got stupid uh, Batista. Yeah, but I mean Hanley's better than Batista. But is he though? He is. Come on. I mean, the only thing that Batista can do that Hanley can is play the outfield. I guess that might be enough. That might be enough to just have a spot over him. I don't know, man. Uh, uh, maybe Toronto. You know, Kendrys Morales has been awful. I think if I'm Toronto, though. And you're ready to move on from Morales, that's to clear the path for Vlad. Well, but I mean, you know, if you're getting Hanley on a league minimum for the rest of the year, you can just, you know, use him for a month or two. He'll and... latch on somewhere. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't think this is the end. Let's no, just say no, that. No, for sure. I, th- I think he he's done enough this year. You know, shoot, the Giants just put him out in left field. You know, they've been throwing Brandon Belt no. out there. We're going to talk about their left fielder coming back. Don't worry. Yeah, that's okay. They've got a they've got a stud on the horizon, (laughs) and we will also talk about Brandon Bell. Don't worry. So yeah, he'll latch on somewhere. Let's say you're in a mixer. You just flat out cutting Hanley. I mean, you might have. I would probably say you you should have already cut him in just about any mixer. But let's say 15 team, you were kind of hanging on. Does this encourage you to cut Hanley, or are you saying you know what? Let me see where he lands first. I mean, no, I'm cutting them because they have, what, 10 days? So, yeah. I mean, you may be waiting around for another week. That's a, that's a, a week you could have another player, uh, you know, accumulating stats. And who knows what kind of situation he ends up in. You know, maybe he ends up in a situation where he's getting full-time playing time and maybe ends up in a situation where he's just a bench bat. So. Yeah, outside of an injury cropping up in the next week or so, it's hard to see a scenario where he uh, Hanley lands full time playing time. That I mean, that that could end up in sure. Minnesota. I know they just acquired Chris I, Carter, and I mean I saw that too. He can't him be in the that minors. much worse than Chris Carter. Is Sano back? Is Sano back and Sano, healthy? Sano's back and and playing DH, but they still have uh, uh, Mauer on the DL. Mauer's on the DL. Yep. So they could always move uh, Sano back to third base. Lomo uh, to DH. Lomo to DH. Uh, and and then play Hanley at first. Okay. Well, that that that's actually a decent one. I saw that one, and I wasn't sure if Sano was back yet. But even with Sano back, it could it could work. So we'll keep an eye on that. It's not a huge uh, fantasy impact. Let's uh, let's talk about Mitch Moreland real quick. He's got he's got the uh, the door open now for full time playing time. I know that there was a concern. I had a concern. I was like, well, 
they're going to give Hanley a shot because of the money. And they did. They gave him a two-month shot. It hasn't worked, so they moved on. Uh, Mitch Moreland's been beasting this year. He has a 1,001 OPS, and he's obviously savaging righties, but holding his own against lefties. If you tell me Mitch Moreland can have a 721 OPS against lefties, I'm taking that all day. Honestly, anything over like 680 for lefty-lefty is justifiable to play because the lefty-lefty matchup is so difficult. I'm talking for a team. So to get that playing time... Uh, 721 is an easy lefty-lefty play for Mitch Moreland. So what do you what do you think of Moreland in terms of his uh, mixed-league viability now? I think he becomes viable in 15-team leagues. I don't know that he is – I mean, unless you're really looking for average because the average has been so great. Uh, I don't know that he's really viable. He doesn't have the power for, like, a 12-teamer. True. Um, but maybe a corner situation where, again, your power is kind of situated and you're looking for batting average. I will say a 301 ISO this year with, you know, seven homers, 10 doubles. Maybe I, I, the thing of it is with Moreland is I feel like every year he's at, he's at like a 580 plus slug at some point and it's like his hot streak. And then Mitch Moreland kind of comes back and settles uh, you know, he's never had a 500 slug in his career. So I think it's fair to suggest that this power that we're seeing isn't necessarily real. We'll keep an eye on it, but I, I, I am a little bit suspect of it. I mean, he's a guy who's hit 22 or 23 home runs in each of the last four seasons. So, And he's 32. Not, yeah. not exactly going to completely turn around. So I think somebody that actually should be on a roster in 12-teamer at least on a reserve 10 maybe you're spotting them in that's kind of a case by case i think at least 12 should be on at least one roster you know obviously you can only be on one roster you're probably but you know right because I mean? first base has been kind of atrocious this year kind of bad and to that point by the way and we use the player radar a lot so let's talk about it when it's like maybe doing something that stands out a little bit squirrely hanley was fifth and it is the stolen bases for sure, like like propping him up the way they do like the point calculation. Stolen bases basically gave him a full point. So if you take that off, he would jump down to 12th. But the point is, is that with the homers and stolen bases, he was actually charting very well. But it also tells you how poor first base has been this year. Votto's 12th. Uh, Hoskins is 11th. Bellinger's 14th. Um, you know, Bohr is 22nd. Matt Olson. People loved him. He's 24th. So, uh, People still love Matt Olson for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's like solid. He's got good power, but I just – there was I, no I got into an argument with some guys from my site um, uh, who were – you know, someone had asked, hey, you know, who would you rather have rest of the year, Yasiel Puig or, or Matt Olson? I was like, it's Matt – or it's, it's Puig, and it's, it's not particularly close – and like I got like three or four guys like pushing back at me like no Matt Olson it's like Matt Olson is like don't get me wrong he's he is what he is and that's a you know a decent first baseman with power he's not you sure know, but like Puig has upside like I, I mean and he's o- Olson's hot as hell power right gives him some upside for sure but like I I I don't believe that this is uh, uh, you know hindsight twenty twenty because I wasn't taking him at the time i was just surprised that he was like a top 100 uh 110 sort of pick i think um 122 that was his adp like that just that meant that matt olson was going top 100 with some regularity and it just it just surprised me not that i thought he was going to be terrible this is not trying to slam dunk on uh on on matt olson fans i just thought that there was 
some of that uh, extrapolation there on the 59 games that we saw. Not that they took the 24 homers and just, you know, did the full extrapolation there. But, you know, if he hits 30 this year, I think that's that's good. Yeah, it's fine. You know, you know he's going to hit, you know, 25 to 30 home runs with, you know, a 240 average. Like that 24 was so outsized in, 40, in 59 games that, like, no, stop. All right, let's move on to the Cardinals. They've got a couple bits of news, too. No innings limit for Alex Reyes. This is pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, these things can be fluid, but right now you're getting the positive news. Uh, he's going to go into the rotation soon, maybe later this, uh, maybe later next week or early June. And they're saying, ready to go, rest of season. What do you think about Alex Reyes now? Obviously, he's having an amazing rehab that has everyone super excited I'm always cautious on Tommy John returners, and it's not so much that he can't succeed. For me, with the Tommy John returner, it's that their bad days are really bad. Their their days when they come to the yard, they just don't have it. Go look through like every Tommy John returner's game log when they first come back that first season. And even the ones with a good ERA have got some like seven-run stinker in there, and they had to kind of get five good starts to to overpower it like it just seems there's always the blow-up potential they don't usually have a mediocre start they just come to the yard one day and it's boom you're terrible today and i'm sure it's related to the elbow just being like no don't have it today as you're kind of building it back so that concerns me with reyes but you got to be psyched on the uh, the rehab and the no limits so where are you where are you with reyes right now as he comes back to the cards I am super optimistic and really excited to watch him because I didn't think that he would enter uh, or return to the majors as a starter. I thought they would start him off in the bullpen. They said exactly that. Yeah, give him like a Josh Hader type role. Hey, let's do two, three innings here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, build up some arm strength. you know, I mean, I, I've watched some of the rehab starts, but like usually they're like, you know, it's like the, it's grainy quality picture. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's hard rough. to, you know, tell how how you know closely he's hitting the mitt and things like that. You know, what do we always say about the last thing to come back is off of Tommy John control, control. and command, and he, he didn't have that. And That's yeah, the scary part. He he's not never really shown um, even above average control and command. So. Uh, I think he is going to strike out a ton of guys, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I think if people are, I think right now people are just falling all over themselves to try to acquire him uh, no at doubt. whatever cost because he has been so dominant in these rehab starts. Uh, I would probably be a little bit more cautious and kind of wait and see. I want to see when I can actually, you know, diagnose every pitch and and really kind of you know look at his mechanics see what his control looks like uh before i'm buying in fully but i'm excited you know i don't have any shares but i'm super excited yeah i'm i'm again i'm i'm excited on on reyes as well just because he's a really i mean he's a, is such an exciting pitcher it's hard not to be but i just always preach caution with, with tommy john returners because uh, the couple bad starts can blow up the era now in a head-to-head you're probably not going to care at that point because you're going to be getting the quality work more often than not. But in a roto, you know, you get all these good starts and it's tanked by one, two inning, seven earned run outing, and then you're you're st- kind of starting from scratch again. So keep that in mind uh, with Alex Reyes, but positive news for sure. Uh, on the other end, there, Paul DeYoung 
has a four to eight week. T- First off, four to eight week. What, what does that tell us? One to two months. Wow, way to really zero in there. Uh, appreciate that. But he's got four to eight weeks after having surgery last week to insert screws and a metal plate into his fractured left hand. Ouch. Um, I'm going to lean toward the high end as, you know, that's kind of the show policy. We are always on the high end of the timetables and usually adding to that uh, if Jason has any say over it. So uh, I'm going to be operating on the eight. And then you're talking about a hand situation. I feel like that's going to impact the power. Boy, I'm nervous about DeYoung. Obviously, put him on your DL. I'm not saying get rid of him. Just DL him and, and ride it out because he's too good not to. But my outlook for Paul DeYoung is, uh, has, has been severely curbed. And I was already a little bit sketched because of his terrible uh, plate plate approach. But that he's he's ran past that again this year, although the walks are up a yeah, little bit. he's but actually improved it quite a bit. I will, I will give him credit on that. I did not realize that his walks were up to 9%. Give me that all day. His O-swing has gone down uh, 9%. That's uh, that's nice. 25% O-swing. That's You can live with that all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's... He's made some uh, some changes. I, I'm guessing he's a fan of the podcast. Uh, you know, you, you know, you guys share anybody names. named Paul. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> he, he listens to see what's what's going on. See if other Pauls are out there repping his name. And but, I wasn't. Sorry, Paul. I'm sorry. The, dog. the changes haven't come at the cost of power. I mean, eight home nope. runs this year. He's got a 40 percent hard contact rate, which is up from last year. Uh, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised. Because uh, you and I both kind were kind of off of him, considering Crushing. the uh, the plate approach. I mean, the BABIP is still like super high, but at some point you got to go. Well, you know, maybe this is the BABIP being that high is a skill rather than an illusion because he, because he hits the ball so hard because he blasts mm-hmm. the ball and it's fly ball or a line drive. It's like the in air stuff, you know. He's not there yet, but I'm just going to say a name that's going to freak people out because I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying, like, if he's trying to go down that road, the J.D. Martinez path of, like, just amazing in-air quality hits, too. It's not pop. You know, it's not Rudnett Odor putting literally everything in the air, but it's getting the ball up in the air uh, with the line drive swings and and just getting great results. Yeah, Paul DeYoung very much has impressed me this year in his 41 games. Again, such a bummer to see his legs cut out from under him with with a two month outage here. We'll, hopefully, it's on the front end of the four to eight weeks, but uh, I would definitely uh, plan for at least six if I have to young. Uh, Wellington Castillo is going to be out for eighty games. That that one's a guarantee because he got popped for PEDs. He he failed test, and uh, that's it for him. And you know what? It is fantasy relevant. It is a substantial blow because catcher sucks so bad this year. It really that, does. That, uh, you know, a guy with six homers and a 267 average is pretty damn good. And so you got to be bumming if, if you lost him, especially in a two-catcher league because you know that the, the, the trash that's going to be on the wire is is nothing. He's uh, Castillo 11th on the ESPN player rater as far as catchers go. Yeah, this is going to be a tough replacement. Uh, what would you think when you heard Castillo get, getting popped there? Man, I feel bad for the White Sox because the way he was playing, you had to think that there was going to be some interest in him at the trade deadline. For sure, you know, especially with you know some teams losing their uh, their starting catcher to injury, um, you know, the Nationals being a big one that could probably would probably love to have a Wellington Castillo, um, and he's on you know a short uh, you know cheap deal, um, seven point three mil next year too. Yeah, so pretty, pretty much nothing. 
you know, uh, I think it, I think it destroys any trade value the White Sox had. I mean, luckily for them, like like you said, he, he's cheap for next year, so they can maybe try to you know recoup some value and uh, and then trade him off. Um, it just, man, I, in especially in two catcher formats, you're <laughs> you're in so a lot bad, of trouble. Dude. It's it's Let's... it's really bad. even in one catcher formats. Um, you know, my uh, my buddy uh, Matt Thompson over at uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits had him in the Invitational. And he's, oh. you know, it's a one catcher 15 team league. Still and, tough. And it's like It's going to be still a tough replacement. Garbage right yep. now. Let's uh let's actually cover some names here. Let me bring some up real fast on some ownership rates. All right, let's see here. Looking at ESPN trying to stay under 50%. Tucker Barnhart or Devin Mezzarocco? Barnhart. James McCann or Barnhart? Barnhart. Barnhart or Lucroy? Barnhart. Okay, listen, I know ESPN leagues are 10 teamers, and like I'm not this guy's biggest fan, but how's Mike Zanino only at 47%? Is catcher good enough for Mike Zanino to be at 47%? I mean, I that could have sucks. more to do with him having been on the DL. And True. Then, and he's know, at 204. God, he does. Man, that's my catcher in the Invitational. <laughs> that's Yeah, enjoy that. I'm, I might be influenced by the fact that Zanino's card plays really well in MLB The Show this year. So like, I'm, I've got some more favorability to him, but I still don't like him in fantasy. Yes. I can't believe he hit 251 last year. It cost me a bet, dude. I know, that's why I'm I bet it on, up. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. He bet on his batting average, and I lost a Mike Zanino batting average bet. I will never... <laughs> ever for that guy oh. uh, what's his last one because um, he, he's, he's completely out there right now Tyler Flowers coming he's, he's sharing that playing time with Suzuki but he's right back to hitting again uh, he's up to 289 three runs a homer and, and five ribbies he hasn't been back that long so the, the low, low numbers are the fact that he's just getting going and he is cutting into Suzuki's time because Suzuki had been playing really well and he's losing the time so what do you think about uh, would you take Flowers on a uh, Halftime basis versus somebody like a Barnhart who's playing all the time, or do you just collect the numbers? Mm, I think I still go Barnhart, but I think Flowers is the type of guy that may be available in you know two in two catcher leagues, uh, in you know maybe even like fifteen team two catcher leagues where it's really thin uh, because people weren't willing to hold him on their DL. Yeah, that makes sense. So go look out. Go look for Tyler Flowers. That's somebody I could definitely get behind. All right, we talked about. We hinted at this earlier. You were saying that they could get Hanley for left field in San Francisco. Uh, excuse me, Mac freaking Williamson's coming back, and Bochy has said he will be the primary left fielder. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, I love Mike Williamson's power. You know he. He should already have like 15 homers this year because he came out. He was beasting. He goes for that play in uh, in left field there and kind of smacks his net. Like it was bad. It looked really rough. And uh, so the the missed time is unfortunately not surprising with a concussion, neck, head. You know, kind of just a head issue, and it's not been good. But he's on his way back. He got activated today, and he's going to be the everyday left fielder. What do you think of Mac Williamson out there for your Giants? Who? Uh, I mean. I, I always worry about concussion issues. Same. Um, you know, especially as a person who has experienced their fair share of concussions uh, over <laughs> over his lifetime from from sports and, and other things. So uh, that's a bit scary. But I mean, the swing change was huge for him. 
Uh, and, I mean, we saw it just at play where he was just, you know, nailing these balls out of the park uh, in, in his uh, short five-game sample once he got called up. Uh, I don't see any reason to think that he won't go back to being a smasher. Uh, you know, it's – I don't think we've seen enough of him at the major league level with a swing change to dissect it too deeply. But I think if he got dropped in your league – then you need to go and pick him up immediately. Yeah, I would say get Mac Williamson, especially if you are power starved, mm-hmm. um, because dude hits for power. I mean, it's just plain and simple. Um, and like you said, swing changes are there. He had three homers in five games. Obviously, that's not the pace he's going to maintain, but he's going to be a power asset. Uh, Mac Williamson was hitting for power down in the minors as well. This is not out of nowhere. Do not expect uh, the average to stick around, though. I mean,. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a power sort of sellout thing. But he's also a right-hander, and so in San Francisco, it's not going to be the end of the world that he plays there half of his games. Uh, and the, it really hurts lefties. It's kind of neutral to righties. It, it doesn't automatically kill righty power. So Mac Williamson, somebody we like. I say all formats right now. Even 10-team, if you can find a spot. Again, when I say all formats, though, with some of these guys in 10-team, it might not be your roster. It, it might just be you know one of the other nine teams. And I know – that that's like okay well what am i gonna do with that sorry you might have too good of a you're team pretty much sorry, just you're saying awesome. he's a top 50 outfielder which Basically, i agree with i'm saying yeah get him on a roster um and but don't be crazy and start cutting like viable players of your own just because we say that it might have to be your buddy's roster but then Would don't you rather have okay. mac williamson or austin meadows Ooh, that's really interesting. Glad you brought up Meadows. Meadows is out of his mind right now and making life really difficult for Pittsburgh in the best way possible by having too many options when uh, Marte comes back. I'm going to stick with Mac uh, because I really can't figure a way. Like, listen, when when Meadows came up, we got, you know, you get the requisite Twitter, Twitter questions. Do I pick him up? Do I pick him up? I said, go get him. Figure it out. Well, we'll you know, we'll figure it out with the playing time later, but go get Meadows right now. He's like, Great prospect. He could come up and hit right away. He could also hit 100 and make the decision easy. Well, he's hitting 440, three yaks, uh, stolen base. He's been great, and he is making the decision hard for them. But that decision is going to be either part-time playing time for Meadows or a trip back. Like it, It's just going to be because you're not moving Dickerson off at all. Uh, you're not moving Marte off. He's got He's been beasting too. He's been their best hitter, and he's a prime center fielder. So it becomes Polanco versus Meadows. Do you keep Meadows up at age 23 who's had enough time in AAA to say, listen, you're going to start a couple times a week. You're going to pinch hit on days when Polanco starts. You know, I think that's probably the route, but that's not full-time playing time. Mac Williamson's full-time. That's my choice, but it's close. Yeah, man, it's so hard. I mean, Meadows just I'm looks glad you brought so him up, good. Yeah, because we talked about him off, uh, off air, and I, I did want to get him brought up because – it is really difficult right now. He's had uh, a week from from heaven, man. He's been out of his mind, but I just can't. I can't finagle away outside of another injury cropping up as Marte is returning. You know, it, it, it's it's really tough. I got to go with the guy who's got the the one hundred percent clear path right now. Yeah, I think I agree with you, but I would have a really hard time making that move. Now, if Mac was substantially worse talent wise. I would not take the lesser talent with playing like a substantially lesser talent with playing time over Meadows, who's been beasting. But since I already see them as pretty comparable, you know, both solid outfielders, I got to go with the guy with the PT. See, I, I think I think Meadows is the the better talent 
And I, that I mean, makes I, it tougher I, for you then. I think it, I think it's I think Meadows is clearly clearly a better talent. Uh, the two issues with Meadows obviously are, are the playing time and the injury history. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a guy who's had a really hard time staying on the field. And so the last thing I want to do is take a guy like Mac Williamson, though he's coming off of an injury, uh, you know, kind of pass on him who's got full-time playing time and guaranteed playing time for it looks like the long haul. And then a week from now, Meadows pulls a hamstring. And I'm, I'm looking at it like, oh, great. Now someone oh, else oh, has Mac Williamson. And then somebody else picked up Mac, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough spot there. I'm leaning Mac. You're leaning Austin at Se- uh, Meadows, it seems like. But yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. Um, Orlando Arcia got sent down, and he, and he had to, man. I mean, he's just been absolutely brutal. This is one – this is a great, 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 great example of prospect growth isn't linear because – I thought there would. I, I thought I was thinking it would be linear for him. He had a solid season last year: fifteen homers, fourteen stolen bases, seven thirty-one OPS. You know, just kind of surviving as a twenty-two-year-old in a full season, playing quality defense. I thought this year, you know, see a little bit more. Nothing crazy. More like a seven eighty OPS. Maybe a few more SBs. Maybe a couple more homers. Something like that. Um, and no, no, not at all. How about two of each? A one ninety-four average and a 38 OPS plus and a ticket back to Colorado Springs for Orlando Arcia. How do you feel about this uh, with, with Arcia short-term short-term uh, road bump or, or something more substantial that is impacting you as far as like dynasty goes for Orlando Arcia? Uh, it's just a short-term thing. I don't think he's going to be down for very long. Uh, he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. Um, and he's really good. Uh, and he's been fantastic this year defensively, and I know that's uh, that sucks because you would think his defense should keep him in the lineup, uh, but can only be so terrible with the bat, though. Yeah. There's, there's a cutoff point. But I mean, you know, especially if they're going to play like a Jonathan VR <laughs> at shortstop, oh man, I, it may, he may not be long for the minors. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's true. And and you know, he gets to go to Colorado Springs too, which is what mm-hmm. their AAA is, and. Maybe just get some confidence going, even if it's uh, uh, environment inflated. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it could just be a, a couple weeks to just get your head right, get out of the dumps a little bit, and, and let's see what's what with Orlando Arcia. But I think he's, I think he's more or less outside of NL only. I think he's a uh, all mixed formats cut. Yeah, there's no reason to hold on to him. I mean, he's, you know, the unfortunate part about him is he's just not run at the major league level in, in the fashion that I expected him to. I mean, he, he ran quite a bit in the minors um, and just, you know, I, I never thought the power would be there, but I thought he was a, like maybe a 10 30 guy mm-hmm. at shortstop and, you know, and should be able to hit for a decent average, you know, got a little bit unlucky in the BABIP department and the, you know, underlying skills are around the same, maybe a little bit regressed from last year. So, but no reason that he should be hitting under 200 this year. Uh, so I, I think he'll be fine eventually. I'm I'm not going to hold on to him unless I've got a really deep bench and a 15-teamer. Uh, but I think uh, he's one of those guys that when he does get the call back, I'm going to be looking to pounce in, in most of my 15-teamers and maybe some of my 12s. For sure, because this could just be a breather for Orlando Arcia. Like I said, I get your head right a couple of weeks. And, and then back up. So so definitely keep an eye on it. Um, but 
yeah, most mixers, you're you're moving on, finding somebody else. He's only twenty three years old too, like so young. Like don't, in, don't in forget about leagues. It. Like this is one of those guys to like, especially if you're rebuilding, but you don't want to do the long term rebuild. Like if if a uh, if a competing team owns Orlando Arcia, you should be calling. Agreed, agreed, a one thousand percent. If you are already in your rebuild, if you're already kind of looking toward the future, I, I think that Orlando Arcia is somebody you go get uh, at a at a discount right now. All right, let's talk about uh, these 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 burgeoning studs and and kind of decide if they are even studs. We got uh, we're gonna run a whole team here. A couple, well, not a whole team, not nine pitchers, but a couple pitchers, one at each infield position, and then three outfielders that are excelling uh, via the ESPN player radar. I just kind of want to get your thoughts, um, you know, as to whether or not they are now gonna be upper tier guys like this. Let's start at the on the mound here with Blake Snell. He sits uh, 11th on ESPN's player radar among starting pitchers, sandwiched right in between Patrick Corbin and Aaron Nola. He's 6-3 with a really nice 69 strikeouts, 270 ADRA, and a 102 whip. Uh, he's been on fire of late, too. Back-to-back starts against the Angels and Boston, two quality teams that he just dominated um, after a, a hiccup in Baltimore. Blake Snell started to show some things last year. Uh, in the in the summer was a popular sort of sleeper pick for a lot of folks, and it's panning out. Is Blake Snell now a stud? Is he is he a top two rotation guy for for those that have him? I think he is. I mean, we we talked about him uh, when we went over your starting pitcher uh, rankings update, and uh, you had him, I think, at seventeen. I want to say um, seventeen He's or very nineteen, high. Uh, and and I was you know kind of applauding you. Um, because I thought it was a bold move that not everybody would do, and but I think it's right, and the underlying metrics uh, kind of show this out. He, he's lowered the walk rate. Uh, he's keeping the ball in the yard. Uh, the velocity is up. Uh, the movement on his pitches are great. He's left-handed in the only decent pitching uh, stadium in that division. <laughs> um, he, like, he just shoved against Boston. I oh, mean, man, it was just, nice. He he made them look pedest- like a pedestrian offense, uh, and he just uh, yeah. There's I don't know what there is to dislike about Blake Snell. I think the only people who aren't buying in on him at this point are people who were burned by him. Um, yeah, and, who, who and were there don't early? Come back. But I mean, yep. He may not stay under a, a, a three ERA, but I can't imagine him uh, pitching like a 3-5 rest of the way. I think this is a, like a 3-2, three, 3-3 three, three guy uh, with, you know, over a strikeout and inning. It's shown some walk improvements too, only from 11% to 8%. Not crazy, but we'll take it. And I think there are some gains uh, around the rest of his stats that kind of back it up to a little jump in the first pitch strike rate, come in the zone a little bit more. And so if he lives in that kind of 8 to 9% range, I'm completely fine with that. In fact, he can be successful at 11%. It just puts more onus on Blake Snell's hit rate at that point. Uh, right now, both are kind of working in a concert, the, the walk rate and hit rate for a 102 whip. I'm going to bounce that up. I'm feeling more of like a at least a, a one teens sort of level, whether it's uh, the upper teens probably, but I can take that. I can take a 320 ERA, a 118 whip, and a butt ton of strikeouts because that's that's a huge factor for him. Um, and Blake Snell, I, I agree. I think he's a stud now. Uh, let's talk about Trevor Bauer. He's an interesting one for sure too. Um, in a similar vein – to Snell, maybe maybe the maybe the more graduated version of Snell, where you know 
he is a little bit older and people, maybe more of those folks that were burned, like you were saying. So that part was kind of off to the side and it really cleared a path for his believers to get Trevor Bauer at a, at a really fair price if they believed in him. Also had some things start to turn last year. I believe it's a slider that's really uh, uh, that he's leaned into to drive some of his success. What do you think about old Tyler Bauer? Oh, man. This is a difficult one for me because all the skills say he's a stud. You know, this And then he has that punchable face where you're just like, no, I'm just kidding. But he's uh, so jealous of Garrett Cole. I mean, he's so <laughs> jealous of Garrett Cole, and it's so funny. It's like, dude, you're good too, but you're not Garrett Cole. I'm sorry. It's – I – you know, the – the issue I have with uh, Trevor Bauer is he is the starting pitcher version of what B.J. Upton was at one point. You oh, how my BJ God. That's just, way too good. He, he would just change his swing anytime anything went wrong. Um, yep. Like, you know, he could just he, – he would strike out three times in a game, and then the next, the next game he'd have a completely reworked swing. B.J., B.J., are, are you batting left-handed, dog? What, what are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. Stop. No, no, I got to try it. I got to try it. Dude, yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. And that's the problem with Bauer is he's one of those guys, if he goes through like a couple bad outings, all of a sudden he's changing things. He's a big-time tinkerer. He has 42 pitches listed on his player profile. Um, he's made up pitch. No, but he does throw like everything. He's kitchen sink guy. He's like one of those guys where if you could say, uh, and I think this is the case for some pitchers. I think Archer might have a little bit of this too, a little bit of too smart for your own good, kind of living in your own head, and that can be a problem. When you're out there in athletics, sometimes you can you can think too much. I know it sounds counterintuitive. You know you want smart guys out there. And Trevor Bauer is absolutely a smart guy, and that's why he can have success because you know he's got talent with smarts. But there is that kind of uh, tipping point where you get too far on the uh, the cerebral end there, and, and you're just living in your head and tinkering. But he's been fantastic. 27% strikeout rate, 235 ERA, 115 whip uh, for Trevor Bauer. And that put him 16th, by the way, on the SP player rater for ESPN. So, you know, I love this. I love the spike in swinging strike rate, by the way, too. He had a big strikeout rate surge last year with no added swinging strikes. The reason I still kind of believed it, though, is because he does have nasty stuff. And so I was like, you know, if he's getting his swinging strikes, obviously deep in those counts, I get it. You don't necessarily like you. You don't have to have the swinging strike rate be, uh, you know, commensurate with your strikeout rate if those whiffs are coming at the right time. It just puts a little bit more burden on it. This year, he's up to twelve percent, a career high, and it matches the twenty-seven percent strikeout rate a bit more. So, uh, by the way, that whip, that one fifteen whip, does not go with a two thirty-five ERA, and it's more likely that the ERA will go than the whip come down for me with Bauer. So, I would plan probably more like I, I was saying with Snell though. Three, three twenty, one eighteen, but I'm, but that's that's studly. I'm taking that. I had actually Bauer sixteen, and I had Snell eighteen. So I like both guys, um, and you know it's hard to find bankable pitching right now too. Like the the reason, part of the reason they're so high is because there just isn't a deep list of guys that you're like locked down. Yes, and so we have two guys in here that are pretty due to being considered top twenty guys, but I believe in both Bauer and Snell. The whip can uh, is going to be like kind of the one question, but even if they're at 120, their their K volume offsets any whip damage. I think because 120 doesn't kill you, it doesn't it doesn't actively hurt you. It's just not automatically studly. Yeah, I for me, I, I I'm you, you hate Bauer. 
Uh, no, and that's the thing. I've I've loved him for a long time. Oh, okay. And I actually like his antics off the field and stuff like that. Not necessarily exactly what he does, but I just like that he is his own guy and like that he's just going to be him and, and unapologetic. You know, like the whole like when he when he showed up to that Royals game with boxing gloves on. Yes. Um, yes. Like I love stuff like that, and I think he is one of those guys that, in a lot of ways, are are good for the game. And I've always. A uh, bit of big. This is like the first year I didn't buy in, so of course, like, <laughs> so of course he's beasting. He's finally with figured it out. ERA. He just he with just mid frustrated the hell out of me forever. Understandably, uh, because That's I, why I, I never I've never bought him because of it though. Because I'm always seeing the guardrail. The guardrail starts, um, and I think part of it is you know he's in Cleveland. I watch Tigers all the time, so I saw so many Trevor Bauer starts. So I'm just like, yeah, this is why I'm terrified of this guy. But that slider, you know, there are differences, right? It's not the same guy just just getting results. He went back to the slider up to 16% usage. He had 4% last year. He didn't use it in 16, although he used a cutter and it, that might have been like a hard slider. But now it's it's slower. It's 82 miles per hour. It's it's a true slider, and uh, I think that slider curveball mix with the fastball is really really working for Bauer. You know, the, the, just the fear that at some point he goes and does something different, and and that's you know that's just the fear with a guy like with a guy who tinkers the way Bauer does. Um, sure. He's one of those guys that is always for me like looked. <laughs> looked better on isolate when you isolate out the pitches, you know, uh, as opposed Absolutely. to like watching him during a game. Um, no, go. Let me look at his player profile page over watching a start because the start can be absolutely frustrating. But he is pitching well. Trevor Bauer, he's stud. Let's go to let's start with the hitting now. Catcher, did you know Francisco Cervelli is the third rated catcher on the ESPN Player Rater, um, just behind Yasmani Grandal, just ahead of Sal Perez. And uh, Gary Sanchez, unsurprisingly, is first. And then you get the candidates that you expect. Sal Perez, Real Muto, Ramos, Posey, Contreras, uh, Yachty. And then the aforementioned Kurt Suzuki rounding out the top ten. But Cervelli, big surge in there. And real changes behind it, too, with the power. He has seven homers in uh, in 38 games. He had five in 81 last year. So this is a big difference. 50% fly ball rate up from 27%. You can almost add his 16 and 17 fly ball rates and, and you wouldn't be as high as this year. You're just over. It'd be 51%. And this year he's at 50% with the fly ball. Uh, he's smacking the ball too. 40% hard contact rate. So it's not just a bunch of uh, pop-ups. It's legitimate contact. You know, same with Suzuki. The reason I'm buying in on these two though, it, it, I love when these guys already have these elite plate skills and then they um, they they want to add this power, you know. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, he he made a big. There was a you know big deal about him talking about early in the season how he really studied kind of the launch angle revolution, mm -hmm. um, and that he you know just made some tweaks to his swing to try to get more lift, um, and we're seeing it. Um, and I, so, I mean, I believe that this is a legitimate change. This isn't just a matter of, uh, oh, you know, he's in a hot streak or, or, you know, I think he figured something out. Uh, and like you said, just great plate skills. Isn't a guy who strikes out a ton, uh, has always walked, um, you know, and, and the, the approach is even approved a little bit this year. He's, he's swinging less outside of the zone. Um, I, uh, I, I really like Cervelli. It's hard, though, to see a guy do it this late in his career, especially at the catcher sure. position, and want to buy in fully. 
Um, and there's always the fear that, you know, he goes through the, you know, the Ryan Schimpf, Yonder Alonso, you know, kind of thing where uh, maybe, you know, all of a sudden he goes from, you know, fly ball percentage being huge to infield fly ball percentage being huge. Sure. Uh, but, but but at least he's got the plates. I, I think Cervelli's plate approach protects him mm-hmm. from that. And I, like, I agree. You know, somebody like Schimpf is a huge strikeout guy, doesn't really walk all that much except outside of when he's getting pitched around. Cervelli had a double-digit strike uh, walk rate the last three years, um, career 10%. His strikeout rate, the highest it's been uh, the last three years is 21%. The highest it's ever been was 25%, and that was in a 49-game sample back in 2014. He's an 18% career guy. So I like that he's coming in with a good foundation too. Now, he did jump into the launch angle revolution. I wonder if he can convince uh, flat batter Michael uh, Michael Brantley of this. And that's what I'm going to call guys who, quote-unquote, don't believe in launch angle. Um, not that they have a flat bat, but it's just a, a play on flat earther. Uh, are you familiar with this? Michael Brantley does not believe in launch angle. His quote. I, I had not heard that. Um... I, I don't believe in launch angle, Brantley said on a recent morning. When you say launch angle to me, it means nothing. It means getting the barrel to the baseball. That's all I believe in. Launch angle is the byproduct of a good swing. I'm sorry, man. That's just stupid. <laughs> but I mean, Brantley's been say. great, so I guess don't don't mess with what's hey, working, right? That, I mean, exactly. That's fine. That that's fine. But uh, you can't. Does just he get believe away with in modern medicine too? Or yeah, like I I, I kind of get what he's going for, but it's still stupid because the launch angle of that of the good swing matters, right? Not every swing, uh, you know, not every launch angle can develop a good swing can can get a ba- can get the barrel to the ball properly so how can you say like it, it's just so dumb i'm sorry i had to rant on it so he, he's a, he's a flat batter uh that, that's that's michael Brantley. he's a flat batter he does not believe in launch angle maybe maybe francisco cervelli can convert him i buy in this though like i said it doesn't have to be the top three catcher but i definitely buy him as a top 10 catcher i think the power is there even if the batting average came down you know it's 282 right now let's say it dropped down to even 250 if i'm getting power at catcher i'm good with it but right now we're getting power and average yeah and it's I think the there's average some catcher for me that is so like even if he only hits another you know maybe 10 home runs rest of the way Oh, that'd be great. You know, with a 280 average, that's that's insane. Like the, the that, value, especially in your two-catcher formats where people are having to roster these guys who are going to hit 200, mm-hmm. um, it just gives oh, you such an advantage. I will say this. If someone's coming and trying to sell me Francisco Cervelli thinking that they're getting out from under it, I'm listening. Yes. I'm listening because they, they know they can't charge you crazy. You know, they can't come in with something wild. It's Francisco Cervelli. So you're you're going to get, I think, a fair price that is better than these. Uh, you're going to get a better price than you should have to pay for these skills. And these are quality skills. I'm buying in on Cervelli. I mean, right, after uh, just real quick, look, run down who's who's who you have ahead of him. Obviously, you have uh, Sanchez, Sanchez, Posey, Real Muto, Real Muto, Perez, Perez Contreras, Grandal, Grandal, Ramos, and then Yadi when he's back. And I don't that's even know it. if I'd have Yadi ahead of him. Yeah, I'm not sure I would either. So, In fact, I mean, yeah, I will, yeah, I will put what, like that seven, one back. Eight? Seven, eight, and um, Suzuki is top ten right now, but I can't, I can't get him there when when he's splitting the playing time. Because I believe in I believe in his gains too, but he's got a direct split with Tyler Flowers. So between the two, I'm definitely taking Cervelli, who's got clear path to a uh, full time catcher. So yeah, he's a top ten guy easily. 
and I do believe that uh, that you're you're going to get a fair price if you go looking for a Francisco Cervelli. So keep that in mind. Uh, all right, let's move on to first base. The best, oh my God, best player ever. He went to the best university. Uh, what a sharp guy, looking like a draft out there. Brandon Belt is the number two first baseman. I feel like everyone on this show likes him because how could you not? He's such an amazing player. Does anybody on this show dislike Brandon Belt? Has anybody ever said a bad word about him? Let's go to Justin Mason for more. Justin, what do you think of Brandon Belt? Well, in my defense. <laughs> Um, I did identify the swing change pretty early on this season and, there you go. and, and there bought you go. in and told yeah, other people Yeah, because I gave you hell earlier, mm-hmm. too, because I, I believe on an earlier show, I was like, yo, you see what your boy's doing, and then we did talk about him there. But, uh, yeah, I'm ribbing Justin. He's never been a huge Brandon Belt fan, and frankly, I, I, I understand why people don't buy in in fantasy because he's never hit 20 homers, and it's first base or corner, and it's like – you know, I feel like I got to get 20 yaks out of that, especially because he doesn't have like this great batting average. He's kind of known as a batting average guy, but he's a career 271. And he hit 241 last year. But Belt this year, everything's coming together. He's already got 11 homers, 317 average. Like I said, he's second at the first base player raider uh, just behind Freeman. Do you have any idea who's third? It's it's not a, a high quality player. It's a, It's an AL guy who was like a complete afterthought. Do you have any idea who that might be? Oh, an AL guy that was a comp- – is it Moreland? No, no. He's on a new he, on a new team, and when he, when the move happened, it, it jettisoned really? another guy, and everyone was like, why are they getting rid of this guy, especially to get this clown? I don't. It's not Healy. C- no, it's not Healy. It's CJ Crone. Oh, yeah. Third. I just he's talked third. about – I should know this. I just talked about him on my other podcast. He's then- uh He's on one, man. He's been he's been great. But anyway, this this I'm not taking Brandon Belt's shine, especially with uh, him being a Longhorn. And also, what do you think now? Obviously, you said you you've come around a bit, but we're it's, not saying he's going to be number two first baseman. But where what's what's his reasonable outlook the rest of the year? Like with I mean, this, I, I think he's easily a top ten guy. Um, I mean, the problem with Brandon Belt prior to this swing change is. Uh, one, we talk about Freddie Freeman being, or you know, the the Braves building SunTrust for Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Like uh, AT&T Park was <laughs> built uh, by someone Just who hates Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt's like, It was built by an Oklahoma Sooner mm-hmm. with with Brand, Brandon Belt's future in mind. And I know, and I know Brandon Belt was like 12 when it got yeah, 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 built, yeah, yeah. but like they went and like, and they, they just hated this guy and put him <laughs> in this, in this stadium. Um, Cause it's like, it's just so hard to hit, to hit home runs uh, as a left-handed hitter there, uh, especially to right center, which, which is where uh, Belt likes to go with a lot of his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But the change of the swing, um, took a what was a pretty long swing down to a very compact short swing he's added some power with it uh it's so much faster like there's like it's now it's now a swing that can overcome that huge wall in in, in right field uh sure. and i mean it's he he's going oppo with uh with his power too which is great uh i i really buy all of it and I know people are like, well, he's not going to hit 317. Okay, he might not hit 317, but I think That's he can fine. hit 290. Yeah, and I'll take 290 with Pop mm-hmm. at first base all day long. Like it, When you get batting average with your Pop, it's so valuable these days because of the way the state of batting average outside of it, it's pretty much only tied to the superstars. So, Or, or it's empty. 
you know, or, or, or it's Joe Panic, DJ LeMahieu, empty batting average. So when I've got power, 593 slug with a 317 average, even regressing both, I still feel pretty good. I like what we're seeing out of Brandon Belt here. Uh, I think he's number one overall pick in fantasy next year, 100%. <laughs> Lock it down. Just saying. No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's move over to second base. Uh, the number seven guy there is Cesar Hernandez. And I want to say that, you know, he still doesn't get his due. And, you know, it's been addressed in terms of in the preseason. I think it was even a situation where we, we had identified that he never gets his due, so let's give him some due. We gave him some due. I still didn't even see this coming, though, because there's a power surge with it. I was thinking my big thing with Cesar Hernandez was like, I think we could get 30 steals, and that's why I would want him on my team, 30 steals and some good batting average. But he's added some pop as well. He's got six homers, nine stolen bases, nice, hitting 275, um, an on-base God, 371, 373, 384 the last three years. So his opportunities to score and steal bases are going to be there. And, of course, with Philly playing well, the runs are there. He's got 34 runs, which is nice. So Cesar Hernandez, uh, a guy that uh, looked looked like an underrated asset uh, in in draft season, really panning out. What do you think about uh, Cesar Hernandez? I wonder if, uh, and I, I mean, I haven't checked or, or looked into this at all on, on Hernandez, but I wonder if he's another guy that has really worked on changing his launch angle. Uh, one, he's hitting the ball harder, but two, like, uh, where is this power coming from? I love this. Uh, Ten point jump in fly ball rate up to a career high of thirty four percent. And I mean, this was a p- guy who was a patient hitter to begin with, has become even more patient, swinging less outside of the zone uh, this year. The walk rate is up almost five percent. Uh, we've always known about the speed, and he's always been one of those guys. It's like, hey, if you miss out on all the studs at second base, you can you can still get a guy who's going to steal you, you know, fifteen to twenty bases, uh, mm-hmm. hit for average. Um, and uh, you know, that's the power hasn't stifled that. No, no, it's, so. it's just it's just been added to all that greatness already. And so, like I said, and then the 34 runs, that's got him uh, tied for 10th. In fact, if you, if you do ties all the way up, it's the 5, 6, 7, 8th highest total, uh, the 34 runs. And so that's been fantastic, again, because they're a quality team there in Pittsburgh. They're really maximizing Cesar Hernandez's 384 OBP. So I tend to believe in what we're seeing here, and I... I could actually see him escalating up this board a little bit and end up ending up as a top five second baseman when season when the season's over. I think that's in play. Yeah, I think it is too. I don't know if I would necessarily bank on that or anything, but I mean, no, I no, think no. he's definitely a top ten guy. And uh, I, you know, I, this is a guy that's probably going to finish with like fifteen home runs and and twenty five stolen bases with a with a pretty nice average and. So nice. That's uh, yeah. It's been, you know, if you got him, you know, probably outside the top two hundred, top two twenty, something like that. You, you've got to be doing backflips. Uh, That's I, the beauty yeah. is that he, he was just so cheap, and I feel like the fantasy community at large, the uh, in terms of the industry, was was beating the drum. You know, there there was enough pockets of people saying, "Hey, keep an eye out, keep an eye out," and yet. It was still difficult to push him up the list because of like the depth of second base. He'd still just, even with some love, it was hard to really get him uh, up there in the draft board. Turns out, should have been more aggressive. Cesar Hernandez has been nice. Let's move over to third base. Also the seventh guy rated there, uh, Nicholas Castellanos. He's been doing well too, and he's on a bad team with the Tigers. 
and is not stifling his production. Uh, he's he's out to let me get let me get Nick's numbers here. Castellanos has a 324, 372, 505 slash with five homers. Uh, 24 runs, 26 RBIs, 12 doubles certainly helps as well. Three triples, uh, leaning on triples. I, I would bet that probably all of them are at home, but I would say at least a couple of those are at home. I want to, I want to say that he just hit in triples alley there in, uh, in Comerica. Two, yeah, two of them are at home, but Nicholas Castellanos continues to perform well. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of him? Uh, I mean, this is a guy, this, this obviously isn't like fluky for him. This is a guy who, uh, has always hit the ball super hard. And you'd like to see a little bit, a few more home runs, but I think those are coming. Um, it, for me, it's, I'm loving the plate skills this year, and I, I'm I'm kind of, I'm loving the fact that he's hitting the ball even harder and it's not coming at the cost of strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he doesn't have as strong of a lineup around him, uh, you know all those people who you know who believe in uh, uh, lineup protection and things like that. That's not costing him anything. So um, no, he's still I, uh, smacking the ball. You know, and I he's doing he's doing this very very quietly. People aren't talking about him, and I don't know if that's not if that's because the the Tigers aren't going to be a very good team this year, or if it's that's uh, probably it. Yeah, like, I mean that, may, and you know, Miggy's out too. So you know. You you don't get a, a conversation about Miggy that that hits a tangent over to Castellanos. It just he's just not getting talked about. And um, we're looking at a guy who is probably going to hit twenty eight to thirty four home runs this year uh, with a two ninety average. Again, um, batting average. It's it's we're we're loving these batting average guys with the with the power that we're getting. It's just he's so gonna key. Be close to be hundred hundred and runs in RBIs. I'm taking that all day. So yeah, uh, I, I, by the way, I've been going back and forth between Castellanos and Castellanos to trigger people. Um, <laughs> I, I hope it's working because Edwin Encarnacion. I hate you guys. Uh, all right, let's go to shortstop. Angelton Simmons also seventh. I didn't purposely just pick everyone that was rated seventh. I was just trying to find one of the interesting guys that is a surprise at, at the various position in the top ten, and Simmons happened to be seventh. I love Angelton Simmons, and he's my. F- favorite fantasy player type in terms of a value which is the the defensive stalwart who just is going to play literally every single day and and figure it out you know has a chance to figure it out offensively and i remember he hit 17 homers like in his first or second season and people thought that was kind of the beginning and nothing for three whole years and then last year he started emulating this uh mike fish guy i don't know a whole lot about him but they kept talking about mike fish mike fish mike fish and oh yeah mike carp uh, and how well that guy plays baseball. And I, again, don't know anything about that guy's stats or whatever. Apparently he's a teammate of this Angleton Simmons. And he was emulating him a little bit. They did the side-by-side of the swing. I was like, damn, you really are swinging just like him. And obviously that doesn't mean that you're going to have his inherent talent. But he went 14 homers, 19 SBs with a 278 average. This dude does not strike out. Nolan Ryan could not strike out Angleton Simmons. He has a 5% rate this year, 9% for his career. He's walking a bit more to the point where he has a 2.0 walk to strikeout ratio he's got 10 percent walk ratio so he's hitting 331 402 466 the power's not great it's a 135 iso but when you're doing that batting average with some speed and a little sprinkling of power i'm taking this all day at shortstop what do you think of angelton simmons um i mean i, I love what he's doing he's just 
uh, 93% contact uh, rate inside of the zone. Uh, he's just, he's just, God, the plate approach is just uh, magnificent. I mean, he's cut his O swing percentage by 6% this year, and it wasn't like he had a necessarily a super high one previously. It's just he's mm-hmm. his plate discipline is better. Uh, he's making a ton of contact. He's hitting the ball with that contact harder. His uh, his hard contact percentage has gone up seven percent, on top of uh, you know increasing that contact within the zone and not swinging outside of the zone. Uh, the walking is going up. I just what, love that. Yeah, what don't you like about Andrelton Simmons? And like you said, this was one of those guys on draft day that, for some reason, people just I don't know if people felt like he was more of an accumulator, or is because the big jump in in. Uh, in statistical progression uh, in 2017 from 2016, but I, I love these guys, and I, you and I talk about these kind of guys that play premium defense mm-hmm. because they stay on the field, and like you said, they get to work through any issues. Uh, and They get to figure it out, man. Brandon Crawford, like obviously Brandon Crawford, um, you know, hasn't kept that, that peak that he had, but he's played himself into like a quality short set. We play a lot of deeper leagues too, so I know some of you guys that are more 10-team, you're not well, obviously, Brandon Crawford, good time to bring him up because he's had the most amazing month ever. But like the last couple of years, he's just been a kind of a steady Eddie. But I love guys like that 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 are just going to be out there every single day putting up some numbers. And typically premium defensive guys, I mean, don't get me wrong, they have they have physical God-given abilities. But typically they're students of the game, too. Mm-hmm. And they work really hard at being just premium defensive players. And that kind of work ethic translates you know? Especially because your base skill, your your God given talents are going to wane as you get older. That mm-hmm. that if defense is your calling card, you are always having to work to kind of keep up because your speed, your your hand, you know, all that's t- deteriorating at every moment, basically. At, like as you get older, and so you got to figure out the ways to continue to be a great glovesman. And uh, Crawford and Simmons specifically are amazing. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and move over to. The next one, I forgot who the first outfielder was, so I had to get back to my list. All right, Nick Markakis, 500 years old, having the best season of his career, just as we all projected, right? I had that one, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. slam dunking on this one. I had this one. I told you guys, if you don't get Nick Markakis, you're not winning your league this year, you idiots. And I, I, I just kept saying it. I know you got tired of me saying it. You're like, I know, Paul, he's going to hit three. We did that three-hour Nick Markakis special. Yes. And I, t- I broke down everything about how he was going to hit 344 this year. And I, I, I missed it barely, okay? I did say that he would have 69 hits by now, and I did it for the joke. But he has 66. So I, I'll, take a heat, I'll take heat on that. But I did have this. I nailed this. This was perfect. I'm amazing, right? <laughs> this season is effing insane, dude. 344, 412, 510, seven homers. But again, it's similar to Cervelli in that a guy with amazing plate skills unlocking some power has me pretty intrigued by it. And I'm also a Marquecas fanboy from his Orioles days, so I'm really nervous that I'm just going to like go buy shares of Marquecas in every league, and then he's going to come back to earth. He's going to pumpkin on me, and I'm going to be like, oh, dang it, I shouldn't have traded J.D. Martinez for him. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's got a pumpkin. He's got to. How? <laughs> Where's he pumpkin, though? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You don't know. You're just afraid because he's old. I don't think he pumpkins. Obviously, we're not saying 344. I, you know, I mean, or, everything, or, is, everything is changed in the right way for him yeah. to support a lot of this. 
Um, for me, seeing the fact that he is not striking out uh, nearly as much as dropped that strikeout rate by seven percent, and I mean he has and it was already six, good. Yeah, sixteen percent already good last year. And now it's nine. Um, yeah, I mean the hard contact percentage hasn't gone up a ton, but I think he benefits from that. Uh, and I should probably look at like a spray chart uh, to make sure this is actually true. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it real quick. Um, I think he benefits from that short port. Well, no, actually. He's got five yaks on the road. Yeah, and I mean, he pretty much, if you look at the spray chart, they're all kind of in center, right to left center, you know, spread out. This is, so. this is wild, man. He had eight homers last year in a full season, literally, full, you know, he played 160 games last year. That dude plays every single day. I mean, I guess he kind of fits the mold we're talking about. We just didn't expect him to learn how to hit at age 34, but he is a defensive stalwart who, that that's... And, He's always and, been a strong OBP guy. Yep, kind of a league average bat that gets on 35% of the time. So it, with that defense and a 35% uh, on base, they kind of justify playing him all the time, even though he's crusty old vet. And then this year it's been rewarded with an excellent season. I'm so floored by this. At the same time, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I was just talking about, was it, I think it was, uh, yeah, Simmons' uh, zone contact percentage going up. Uh, Marquegas has gone up to ninety three point three percent by almost three percent. Um, so I mean, and he his uh, O swing percentage has gone down by four percent. So I mean, he's doing he's made some some approach changes a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just he's he's putting the ball in play and hitting the hitting the ball uh, with really good contact, and it, it seems to be working. And similar to Cesar Hernandez, <clears throat> the quality of the team, the unexpected quality of the team is boosting the counting categories. Now, he's getting both. Mar- uh, Hernandez isn't really getting ribbies, more of runs. But Marquecas is batting in the heart of the order, so he's got 31 runs, 32 ribbies. So it's been awesome. Obviously, you're riding this out, and if it turns south, you just move on, right? Like, he, th- yeah. there's really no risk here. But You've already you made by? profit. You've already made profit on Exactly. You've already netted a huge profit. Would you go buy Nick Marcakis? I'll give you some names here. Yeah, I, I mean, well, it depends on the price. Um, Nick Pavetta. Nick for no. Nick. Michael Walker. No. Jake Arrieta. No. I'm, I'm going down the player rater, too, so these guys are getting lesser. Daniel Mangden. Yes. Okay, he's directly below Arietta. Tyler Skaggs. I think that's fair. Kyle Hendricks in that blazing fastball. No. It's 45th on the player radar, by the way, Kyle Hendricks. So come at me. Anybody else. Come at me, Cubs fans. Exactly. Um, let's see. Masahiro Tanaka's 48th. Mm, yeah, I'm, I think that's fair. I love Tanaka, and I would do it because I just don't believe that the ER. I think the ERA has a really firm uh threshold that it that it won't cross which is like the the mid to upper threes Mm -hmm. because of the homers i just don't know that he can really get below that so i love the 110 whip 50 strikeouts is is fine obviously tanaka's going to get w's on that club but i think i would actually and here's the beauty with tanaka for marquegas i don't think you have to do a one for one i I think think you can then get a little advantage i I think in an obp league i do it in average league i might not okay okay but anyway marquegas I think there's some viability here. Not as much like I, I'm buying Cervelli more because he's catcher and and because there's a lot a larger 
range of outcomes that that definitely don't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Whereas Marquez could go right back to being a punchless 280 hitter, and then it's like whatever. But uh, I do find some viability here and there. And there's probably I, I didn't give all my answers on those, but I'd probably give them for more of those guys than not. Waka, no, you guys know I love Waka, so I'm not doing that. But and say Pavetta, I've kind of fallen for. But then Arietta, Mangden, Skaggs, Tanaka, Hendricks. Hendricks, I, I I'd just cut Hendricks. Obviously, I, I mean, is there a swing change or kidding, something that I'm missing on? Mar- there must be some sort of swing change or launch angle change. I mean, um, to to because this power is, I mean, just out of nowhere, and it's he's not well, putting more balls in the air. He's not I'm hitting curious, the ball harder. I'm curious what was driving like a single digit, like a seven percent or lower homer to fly ball rate for for five years, when when. In two of those, the last two years, his hard contact rate was right in line with this year, 33-33. This year's it's 34, and the homer to fly ball rate's up to 14%. Is this just some 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 good luck, you know, having your homer to fly ball rate regress toward the mean? Because there isn't a sharp jump anywhere. But I'm also looking at these numbers. Maybe I think for me, I'm looking and I'm like, well, shouldn't the, this profile and these numbers have generated more in 16 Probably. and 17? And now maybe, yes, it's at the high end right now, obviously, but it, it's not going to run all the way back to a 110 ISO and 95 WRC plus as it was last year for Marquecas. So I think that's more of it of it's like, okay, you're finally getting some results that you quote unquote deserve and that's great. And then it'll probably smooth out a little bit, maybe a 10% homer to fly ball rate and, and a 330 Babbitt. And so he's hitting 280 with like, 13 more homers the rest of the season or something. I don't know. I will say that that. his home runs on the road have been, for the most part, in uh, hitter-friendly stadiums. Cincinnati, Colorado. Well, um, the beauty is he plays in one, too. But That's right. He plays in one, Philadelphia. Um, So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, what, he hits maybe 10 more home runs this year? Or do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, 12, 13, a couple okay. extra than you. 280 average? Yes. With a 280, 10% walk then, rate, gives him like a 350. And good base. context numbers because that Braves offense mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. So, and and again, if you if you need some offensive help, getting Marcakis is not going to cost you a lot. I said yes on Tanaka, but you don't have to do that. You can then add two other pieces where you're getting another advantage, mm-hmm. you know, where, where, where you get um, a, another hitter. Or, or you you give a um, you get a pitcher from them that you think is pretty solid, and you give a hitter. You know, I, I think you can do it two for two, where you feel like you're getting the advantage on both. Because like I bet you, if you had Kyle Hendricks, you could trade Kyle Hendricks for Pavetta and Marquez. Something like that, exactly. And because you'd be buying two two early early guys for like kind of a real steady guy, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I meme on Hendricks, but I acknowledge that he's. Got amazing numbers. Like he just does. You just look up and down the, the the profile, and it's great numbers. But I would do something like that for sure. What's his ownership so, percentage in ESPN? Let me get that. For I bet you, you it's under sixty percent. Oh, it's gotta be. Nick Markakis is. Oh wow! Kudos ESPN. He's up at ninety four percent. Wow. Okay. Never mind. They're out there. I they they see what's what. Would have. Uh, yeah, I would have figured he would have been way lower than that. I would have I would have as well. All right, next outfielder is Mitch Haniger. He's 13th on the uh um player rater and he's been having a great year as well. 291 23 
runs, 11 ribbies, 30, or excuse me, 23 runs, 11 homers, 36 ribbies, three stolen bases. Now, he had a big start last year, too, and it faded because he got hurt and then had an awful summer. And if you kind of got off the Hanniger train, you might have missed the fact that he closed strong again, too. So he clearly wasn't right when he was having an awful summer, Mitch Hanniger. But then he came through and, and showed at the very end of the season, like, no, 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 I'm still good. Check this out. And now he's off to another great start. I, you know, he's been a fantasy darling now. The last when that trade happened, everyone kind of zeroed in on him. I remember Cameron uh, wrote something about, "Hey, keep an eye on Hanniger in this trade." And then he became a fantasy darling, got off to the great start. He's back to being a fantasy darling. Is he a stud? Is he a top like twenty-five outfielder type for you? Easily, Mitch Hanniger. Okay, yeah. as long as he's healthy. I mean, exactly. It, it's all about health for him. One of the reasons he lost a lot of the prospect sheen that he had was because he couldn't stay healthy in the minor leagues. And didn't he bang his wrist recently? Mm-hmm. He got hit by a pitch. Right now. Oh, he got hit by a pitch. Yeah. They're, they're getting the worst luck in the universe oh, God. in Seattle well, and right now. And they lost it's everybody like within a week. Like it was. Yes. And then he gets hit by a pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Segura slides into, I think, Bruce James, Mac- yeah. Maxwell. James and it's like, shoulder. are you hitting me? Yeah, it's it's just been really, you know, and that was the same week that Nelson Cruz got hit by a pitch in the elbow. Who got uh, suspended. D. Yeah. Gordon broke his foot. Mm-hmm. Like, it was I was it, playing uh, for a couple games. Yeah, it was. You did well though. No, you had, you held drunk. that walk. You took. I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it, dude. You, Blake Trinan, you didn't swing at any of those sinkers, man. That was impressive. You, did, you had a good at bat there. I thought it was more of your eye than his wildness, but I I'll give you kudos that. on that. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time here because I really love Hanniger. I think the skills are there. Again, I think we saw this last year, and it and it uh, he faded from the consciousness when he got hurt, then returned and and sputtered close strong this dude's a beast and i absolutely like mitch hanniger and i just I'm, i just would like to point out that three of these guys belt uh, uh hernandez and hanniger i got for a dollar uh on towers uh my towers team so i just want to point out i was in on all these guys god i hate you <laughs> now <laughs> too I wish bad the rest I, of my offense just sucks completely now i wish blake trinan would have beamed you that would have been way better next now, time here, okay well done, well done. Um, did you get Eddie Rosario? He's our last one. I did Sixth not. Outfielder. Uh, you know, similar to Hanniger in that made a little pro- made a little uh, fantasy noise last year, not in the same way, but but put himself on the map and said, "Yo, look what I got here," and had a quality season. His his was the other way, right? Uh, he finished really strong and ended up with twenty seven homers, nine stolen bases, nine stolen bases out of seventeen tries though. So I didn't put him down for any sort of like stolen base impact. To Eddie Rosario's credit, he is four for five this year. He does have a 290 average or 295 average this year. Two, nine homers, 28 ribbies, 29 runs. You know, Eddie Rosario has always been a tough one for me, and it's one where he has helped me trust my eyes a little bit more in in in, in analyzing a hitter because I don't think I'm great at it by any stretch. I'm certainly still learning there, but I remember seeing him at the Arizona Fall League. And I liked what I saw. Like, I thought I was seeing a quality player, and he was just getting crapped on by everybody that was also there watching. Like, this guy's no good. He's just not, he can't do this. He can't do that. I'm like, well, what about all this stuff that he is doing, though? And I just, I thought I was watching a good player. And I was like, yo, I discovered for myself, not like put him on the fantasy landscape, but I discovered Brian Dozier in the AFL. I'm taking this next twin. And I'm going to, you know, put him as my fantasy discovery here, too. And I tried, you know, got in on it and didn't really get rewarded because this was in 20, 
2014, I think I saw him. And then I don't remember what he did in 2015. He doesn't really matter. You got popped for PEDs. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. He got in some trouble uh, one of these seasons. But I kept always thinking like, I feel like this guy's good. I understand Eddie Rosario's flaws, but but he's a good player. What do you think of Eddie Rosario? Because he's off to a, a brilliant start coming off of a good season last year. Is he a stud? Is he a top 25, top 30 outfielder type? I think he is borderline, and, and I had to make the comment about you know me having all these good buys you know for my Towers team because this is a guy that I completely refu- completely refused to buy in on uh, coming into the season, and I I'm just gonna eat some crow during this one. So um, I think he has a ton of talent. I wish he just I wish he had a better plate approach. Um, I, I do too, but I but. You know, sometimes that works for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I wish I could think of examples, and maybe I can get Jeff Zimmerman to like do a, a data query on this, but I don't even know how exactly would he, he would do it. But I feel like there's times where we take a guy like an Eddie Rosario and we just like beg for them to get some walks. Then they have some patience, and it turns into passivity, and they lose the pitches that they, that they could hit early in counts, mm-hmm. and it doesn't automatically help. Like I, I don't think a walk rate is an automatic like fixer. And For so, sure. yeah, he's only got a 320 OBP at 328 last year. That's not good. But give me the average and the pop, and I'll get the OBP and elsewhere. He, he makes it work in terms of, like, it's not like he he's, – he's been on an 18% strikeout rate, you know, for a year and a half now. And we can live with that, right? Yeah, that, that, no, that's that's not bad. In if this you, day if and you're age? 25, yeah, if you're 25 Ks and 3% walks, we got a problem, mm-hmm. Paul DeYoung. But then Paul DeYoung figured it out. Uh, but 18 or 19 strikeout rate, 3 to 4% walk rate, again, we're not going to sit here and tell you it's great, but it's not – it's not a limiting factor in terms of success. Like it does not prevent Eddie Rosario from being successful. So you know, I kind of like him, um, and and I think there, this ended up being an uh, accidental theme of of these guys with batting average. But that makes sense that they're all rated in the top ten of their position because batting average is a great way to get up there. Uh, but he's another one I think that you can kind of bet on for batting average. 290, 295 the last two years, even the two years before that, 267, 269, which isn't terrible. And that's when he did have 25% Ks and 3% walks. He's brought the Ks down, and it's it's less damaging to have such a crummy walk rate. So I kind of buy uh, Eddie Rosario as, as a top 30 outfielder. I don't buy him necessarily as the 16th, where he's at right now, but you bring him down to the uh, to the late 20s, early 30s, and I can live with that too. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I would take him. I think he would be just outside of my top thirty. Um, here, let me let me throw you some. Would you rather in the outfield? That for you, but let's. I'm in. I'm in. Go ahead. Um, no more Mazzara or uh, Eddie oh, no Mazzara. Okay, I, I, I gotta go Mazzara. I just love him. Um, oh, let's see. I know he's hurt, but a healthy Cespedes. I gotta go. I still gotta go. Healthy Cespedes. He's kind of like a, a better version. You know, he, he kind of, that same plate approach, similar plate approach, but obviously just the punishing power. I'm gonna go Cespedes. Joey Gallo. I think I'm gonna go Rosario, because again, I'm gonna favor the batting average over the pop. By the way, I said similar approach. By the way, uh, I gotta give Cespedes more love on his walk right there. Just before we get corrections mm-hmm. in the uh, in the chat. Um, yeah, as much as Gallo's power is great, 
I think I can go replicate Gallo's power elsewhere. Let me get that batting average greatness out of uh, out of Eddie Rosario. All right. Um, Christian Yelich outside the top 30 in the outfield, according to the ESPN player rater. You shut your stupid mouth. It's Christian Yelich, obviously. <laughs> Blood Settler cries, cries many tears right now. Hey, but his, his, uh, his ground ball rate is lessened. Hey, it's all right there. You, you yuck it up right now. Let's see. Let's see where Yelich, you know, if people want to take their W's on Yelich right now, let's no, just I'm see. Just, let's just see. I'm not taking I know, it I know you're I just, being funny. I'm just being a but, jerk. But <laughs> uh, I, I am kind of eager to see what's going to happen. If you look at it, though, Yelich is just playing exactly like he's always played. He's not even running more. That's kind of the bummer for me. I really thought that was the one thing that would happen is that he would run more because it's a running team and he's yeah. three for four. No, so that's I, kind I, of a bummer. It's been, but I'm still taking him. Yeah, no, it's it's been weird. What about Jose Martinez? Ooh, that's a really interesting one. You know, because we're talking now, we're just going straight up hitter versus hitter. These guys just hit baseballs and they do it really well. Um, you know what? I think I got to go Jose Martinez because he's Eddie Rosario with a better plate approach. Mm-hmm. You know, and a better uh, team around him. That's true too. I think St. Louis is still kind of a, a sleeping, not sleeping giant. Like I don't think they're an elite team, and they're not really sleeping either. They're twenty six and twenty one, but they're not Tyler leaving O'Neal, the division. Man, oh. Tyler Neal, oh my goodness! And I mess. I like Harrison Bader too. I, I think he might end up having some bouts of of fantasy viability this year too. That's another one that uh, an Arizona Fall League guy that watching i like i really really liked harrison bader so i've i've been keeping a close eye on his production this year i think he's like the perfect fourth outfielder he really is he really is but you know your fourth outfielder is going to get some run where he has to be the starter for a while because of production they just need to figure Uh, out a way to get rid of dexter fowler's contract dexter fowler do you even try anymore you're hitting 155 he's such like he's such a likable guy too it's like you hate to see him struggle with the you know i mean just you know, he seems like one of the, I mean, and I don't know, but he seems like one of the genuinely good guys. They're fooling everybody or he's a legit good dude. Because I, I've never seen an interaction, an interview on Intentional Talk or, you know, an interview post game or whatever, where I've come away thinking that Dexter Fowler wasn't a great guy. And the way he responded when there was all the, the Cubs fan, you know, basically throwing racial epithets at him for leaving, uh, that sort of crap. And he just handled it with grace and class. He just a, he's a class dude, and you want to see dudes like that succeed. And he's absolutely not succeeding right now. It has been a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It really has. All right. So, that's all, um, all right, that's that's where we're at on Rosario. I think that's going to go ahead and wrap us up into the holiday weekend. I don't know if we're doing anything for the holiday weekend, so stay tuned. I know Jason's out of town. Okay, so. um, maybe you and I'll link offline. See what's what. Maybe I'll just do a solo. Solo Dolo, and then uh, well, you and got then your you fireside your chat, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think we're still chatting fireside Sunday, so that that's that's good. You guys can expect that on the weekend. Yo, that that got an interesting response. Did it? That was a that was a mixed bag of responses. Some people thought I was really mean to Nick, and I didn't see it that way personally. But I love Nick, and I explained on the like at the end there. I was like, this is not me disliking. I'm not mad at Nick. I'm not trying to be mean to Nick. Like, but a sports argument, I, I don't know. I just feel like why can't you get heated in a sports argument and not it have it taken personally? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, it's not like I said, oh, you're a stupid idiot in nice face or anything, you know. <laughs> he does have a nice face. He is. He's a so. cute guy. 
good. And you good guys dude. are going to be hanging out at the uh, Fangraphs meetup in in Colorado without me. Why aren't you going? Uh, unfortunately, my wife has to get surgery uh, like oh. the Thursday before or something like okay. that. So. So I was like, you were definitely invited. Yeah, no, no, I was, uh, I was invited, and I was super excited because it was finally going to be close to me. Exactly. We're, we're heading out west. Well, we're heading to the mid, uh, Mountain West yeah. region. And I was like, ah, oh, sweet, it's not in Boston or New York this year. Finally get to go, and uh, yeah, no, just, just like Arizona yeah, Fall League, there's always something that pops up that I can't hey, go Hey, you better clear that schedule. Yeah, I won't I be going this year either. Why not? I can't. I can't. I'll, I'll tell you offline why. Okay, we'll talk offline. All right, that, that's going to wrap it up. Y'all have a great Memorial Day weekend. Don't be too wild. Talk to y'all later. Peace. unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more head to the apple app or google play stores to download squad ql your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager squad ql is brought to you by the creators of roto ql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.